This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Eddie Jones, a former teacher, rugby union player and coach of the Wallabies. He's had coaching success with Japan, the Brumbies in the Super 12 and with the Wallabies. He's now head coach for the England rugby national team. And Brendan McCullum, a former New Zealand captain and cricketer, playing 101 tests and 261 day internationals, scoring more than 6,500 runs in test matches and over 6,000 runs in ODIs. He has a highest test score of 302. He's the first player to score 100 in the IPL. Post-career, he's playing social rugby, brewing beer and the owner of many racehorses and was this year named an officer of New Zealand Order of Merit. Let's get started. On the show today, a former teacher, rugby union player and coach of the Wallabies, and he's now head coach for the England Rugby National Team. Welcome, Eddie Jones. Hi. How are you doing? Mate, I'm doing good, mate. And um, and Brendan McCullum, a former New Zealand captain and cricketer. And this year, you were named Officer of New Zealand Order of Merit. So welcome, Brendan McCullum. Thanks, lads. Geez, you actually interrupted an online sale, which had my, uh, had my eyes on a couple of weanlings. <laughs> so probably a good time. Probably saved me some money, actually. Thank you. Mate, um, so how are things going, Brendan, over there in New Zealand at the moment? Yeah, look, we're going pretty good, actually, lads. It's, um, I mean, you never, you don't want to gloat because of the situation you're in, but I guess that's the, um, the benefits of, of being a, a landlocked, um, small, uh, yeah. small island and, and only having, um, a small population. It comes with its challenges, but at uh, uncertain times like this, it also comes with its benefits. So we're really lucky. We're kind of, everything's back open, obviously, barring our borders. The economy is able to, hopefully kick again and, and um, people are able to get themselves back into work and, and hopefully things are, um, are back to some sort of normality, but uh, certainly not envious of some of the situations that other people find themselves in around the world. Sure. And Eddie, where, where are you at the moment? You're in Japan. Uh, in Tokyo, yeah. Look, I was uh, due to come back to Australia at the end of the Six Nations to see my mother, but uh, they put the quarantine on, so right. my wife's from from Japan, so we came over to Japan to see her family and been here ever since, which has been it's been pretty normal here apart from a maybe a four or five week stint. So okay. it hasn't been too bad, mate. That's good news. And Brendan, I believe you had surgery yesterday from an accident ten years ago, my brother Brett hitching in the nose, mate. How's the beak? Yeah, mate. Yeah, he snuck one through <laughs> the fences way back in uh, the first <laughs> first round of Big Bash. Um Finger and I obviously pretty good mates and uh, we've joked about it ever since, but um, I thought it was about time I'd get things sorted out. But it, just for the record, it's a plumbing sort of job I've had done, not one of those Michael Jox- uh, Jackson jobs. <laughs> There's no no external benefit in it. It's just uh, hopefully we'll be able to breathe for uh, for the first time in about 10 years. So, yeah, I managed to come out last night actually after the operation and um, I was just talking to Eddie off here. We've got a bit of footy. Come Saturday, a bit of club footy here, so hopefully I'll be right for that. I'm certainly enjoying it at the moment. And Brett says you're good mates as well, but mate, how can you be good mates with Brett? I think he did he beat me five times in cricket. <laughs> We've had this conversation over many uh, <laughs> cold beverages in various parts of the globe, Shane, and I think we've come to the agreement that it must have been accidental. You'd hope so, wouldn't you, mate? So, <laughs> so, so it's good news moving forward on the nose. And, and I think Eddie, what does a, a football coach do in a, in a pandemic? Uh, well, when you're international coach. Yeah, the players are with their clubs anyway. So the thing you miss is is being in, able to interact with your staff and and the players uh, socially. So 
basically, mate, been doing a lot of uh, this sort of thing, a lot of uh, talks with coaches around the rest of the world and just trying to keep the mind active. You know, been watching Super Rugby in, in New Zealand. That started, that's been pretty good and started back in Australia. Yeah, just trying to keep uh, a bridge of the, the trends that, that could be happening. And and, and where, where, do you, where do you see, where's rugby at the moment? It's obviously, it's struggling here in Australia at the moment. I'll, I'll get to whether you're going to come back and coach the Wallabies at some stage, mate. But um, <laughs> but uh, it's obviously very, very strong in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, look, uh, I think as an international game, it's pretty strong. I think the, the real concern is the domestic game. And I see rugby probably following what, what's happened to cricket, that, yeah. you know, Basically, domestic competitions become feeder competitions. They're not entertainment competitions as they were yep. um, because people want to see the best players, don't they? You know, that's what they want to see. And you see with the IPL and the Big Bash, it's so popular because the best players are playing. And the Super Rugby struggled a bit because of that because there hasn't been the best players playing against each other. And I think that uh, the next period of time, rugby will hopefully sort itself out and move itself into a new form for the next 30-odd years. And, Brendan, where's New Zealand cricket at the moment? I was looking at some of your stats, mate, amazing stats, and particularly your, your captaincy record at home. I think you had 13 matches there as captain, never, never lost a match. Where's New Zealand cricket at right now? Obviously, with the retirement of yourself and that, some big gaps there. Um, Matt, I think they're in a really good spot, actually, a really good space. They, I guess um, financially, they're probably a little bit lucky that the Indian tour, um, which is clearly the, the big financial one, had happened just before COVID hit. We're kind of we're not a, a rich associational board by any stretch of the imagination. So, if that tournament um, or if that tour hadn't have happened, then I think New Zealand would be in a pretty dire situation. But it right. did. So they're fortunate from that point of view. Plus, COVID obviously hit during our winter, so didn't have too many impacts on the game. So, from a financial point of view, they're in a really good position. Um, I think the support for the team is as high as it's been well since I've been following the New Zealand cricket team. I think. Right. They're, they're really well led by Kane Williamson, someone who is a, a fantastic embodiment of what it's like to be a Kiwi. And he's got a, a wonderful group of people around him, senior players and, and guys who have actually excelled now at the international level in, in key positions. So I think they're going really good. They're in a strong position. I think now is the real time for them to put a line in the sand, though. I think they've they've done well. They've got the ear and the eyes of, of not only New Zealand but the world. It would be nice. I know they got very close last year in the World Cup. But I did feel they were a little bit lucky there as well to actually yeah. get themselves in that situation um, when they ultimately fell at the final hurdle. But I think they're close to actually doing something really, really special. And, and under Kane Williamson's captaincy and under the leadership of some of the other senior players, there's no reason why they shouldn't. And I think they believe now too, lads. I think that's a big, a big key. For so long, we were we were always just trying to peak occasionally because we didn't feel like we had the, the resource to compete with the bigger nations. But I think now there's a general belief that that we can compete all the time um, and there's no reason why we shouldn't put ourselves up there as one of the very best teams in, in the world and, and not use those as excuses around our sure. population or our playing numbers. And I think once that mindset's come through in the New Zealand setup, up um, we've seen the results start to prosper. And Eddie, have you seen a similar transformation in English rugby since you've been there and, and I suppose bringing that belief as well? Yeah, well, they've always had good players, so... Uh, you know, they got a strong domestic comp, quite a, well, they did have quite a rich union. So all the bits and pieces were there. And I've been lucky to come at a time where they had a, a youngish team that'd been together for four years, uh, experienced some failure. Um, yep. so they were hurt. So it was quite easy to put a few things in place, get them a bit fitter, get them a bit clearer about how we wanted to play. 
make them a bit proud about playing for England and, and we've had some good results. But the next period's the most difficult one because we've got to catch the Kiwis, mate. Yes. Yeah, we're still, we're still behind them and that's a hard job. Been chasing them all my life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eddie, you've had you've had enormous success over years, mate. And Rambuka's Rambuka's a player. Um, you know, when you, your time in Japan by defeating South Africa, and then then the Brumbies and the Wallabies, the Reds, and then England beating the All Blacks in the last World Cup. But does does that all make the loss to South Africa in the World Cup final even harder to stomach, mate? Uh, look, mate, they're always hard to cope with, but yeah. you've just got to move on, you know. Every game's important and, and you prepare as well as you can for the big games. And sometimes, and, and Brendan will know, sometimes it's just not right for some reason. You get there and, and the first thing that happens in the game, something doesn't go right for you. They're right on it. Like they were 100% on. We're probably about 98%. Yeah. And you think, what could you have done to get it right? There's always something you, know, you could have done uh, to get a little bit better. But it's just one of those things you just got to move on and we've just got to endeavour to keep on getting better. I was looking at a couple of your interviews, Eddie, some laughing at a couple of things, but you said you, you were early doors, you were waking up with a, a South African number nine floating above your bed. <laughs> that was, I hope that's still not happening to you, buddy. Oh, no, he's gone now, mate. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. And, and Brennan, um, just back to your to captaincy, when, when you were captaining New Zealand, how would you describe your captaincy style? Oh, geez, it's never easy to try and sum up your own yeah. game or, or your own impact. I guess um, all I can say is what, what I tried to bring to the job, and that was that uh, I was probably a little bit lucky that uh, we, we hit rock bottom the moment that I took over the captaincy, so we were able to actually address things with real open minds and, and we could really start to make some change right at the outset and we had to strip things right back. We were uh, we were actually a really um, poor indictment of, of what New Zealanders are as people, and I think We'd lost a lot of support of our, of our public and, and we hadn't achieved a great deal. We'd achieved very little actually. And yet we sort yeah. of, if you looked at the way that we carried ourselves in the general public, it was of a team which had performed a lot better than that. We're a very yeah. defensive of media, defensive of criticism. And really we're an inconsistent underperforming side. So we needed to address a lot of those issues and just try and get back to what was important with the New Zealand cricket team. And that's to be a representation of our people. And, and that is humble, hardworking, number eight wire sort of mentality and, and also the mindset that you never beat in. And we know that we weren't going to win every game, but we just wanted to make sure that when we were beaten, we were still hard to be beaten. And, yeah. and our country knew that we had been in a contest and they had something that they could get right in behind. And, and then, you know, from there, we actually managed to go on a bit of a um, journey and we, we had to lose a few people along the way who unfortunately didn't quite grasp that concept. But one of the things I was quite strong on is that when you are small, um, it's going to have its challenges, but it's also got its benefits and that we can be very dynamic and and we can be quite nimble in, in our plans and being able to get onto various tactics. But for that to happen, we need a total buy-in from the entire group. Even though some of these guys were very good players and very good coaches and support staff even in their own right, they unfortunately weren't prepared to sort of sit on the bus in the direction that we needed to go. And so we had to lose a couple of them along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think we, we came across at the end of my tenure, I felt, and now the tenure that um, of, of Kane Williamson, I feel as if you've got the right people in the right seats on the bus heading in the right direction. And, and it is a wonderful advertisement of New Zealanders on the world stage. And I think that's why the game's in such a healthy state back here in New Zealand. So if I had a contribution in that, um, then well that's great. Um, as a player, I think I just tried to... Um, well, I think I was lucky enough I got the opportunity to mature because I played for long enough 
because the person, the player and the person I was at the start was very different to the player and the person I was at the end. And and I think I got the most out of myself at the back end of my career. And and I got some friendships which I'll uh, I'll take with me for the rest of my life with some of those experiences I was able to have. Yes, well said. It um, and Eddie, it's, it's funny what what Brendan was saying there. It's, it's all about I suppose the, the the cattle and the best way you manage those cattle. You want to talk us through your time at Japan? Because I found that really extraordinary what what you did there and. And I'm assuming the way you coach them is very different to the way, say, you coach the Brumbies in their heyday and, and also, say, England rugby. Talk us through the, your style around Japan. Yeah, well, I coached them when I was really young, uh, 1996, and Glenn Eller and I coached them. Yep. And uh, we always felt they had potential, but they'd always been like happy losers and they'd lost. They hadn't won a World Cup game for 24 years. Uh, their average score at the World Cup was 85 nil defeat. Jeez. But they got one of the richest domestic comps and they got good players and there's, you know, there's ex players from New Zealand and Australia there that, uh, were eligible to play. So there was no reason why they should have been that bad. And what we did, and similar to what Brendan was saying, we tried to create a special purpose around the team. Like, unless this group of players, did something special at the World Cup. Japan was always going to be the laughing stock of world rugby. Okay. And I remember we went to the – and it was perfect, you know. We went to the opening ceremony and they showed all these images of Japan getting beaten by 100 points. And we went back to the hotel and I said, see what I mean, boys? You're a joke. Um, and that sort of just tied it all together. But shit, mate, we trained hard. Yeah. Like, you know, because we had to be fitter. We were a small team. We had to be fitter. We trained three times a day, not for long periods, but really intense, really specific. You know, it took a while for the players to adapt to it, but they were fantastic. And they really, like, spiritually and emotionally, they, they bought into it. And then physically, we got so much better. Like, we had this 37-year-old lock, right? He was six foot two. Right. Like, he's not, tall, he's not tall enough to be a prop. He was playing lock for us. And he drank six beers a night. Love, oh, love the beauty. Vegas, old-fashioned test cricketer, mate. Uh, but anyway, six. like in the lead up to the World Cup, he put on five k's of muscle, right? Like, and it showed what showed what you could do. So we got the World Cup in this unbelievable condition. We were going to play fast. We were going to play creative. We weren't going to be afraid to get beaten, and we just. Uh, we're able to do that. And we had a bit of, you know, you always need a bit of luck, mate. We had a bit of luck. South Africa didn't take us serious enough and we caught them on the day and then we ended up winning two of the next three games. So it was one of the most fascinating experiences as a coach to do that, you know, with a great group of players. You'll have to text me the, the brand of that beer, mate, that puts on 5K muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to drink that one. We'll hold it there for a minute. We'll be back right after this. It's no secret, I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. 
ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch with Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Hey, Eddie, we, we had um, we had Matt, Dun- Matt Dunning on the show a couple of weeks ago and, yeah. and Matty said that you uh, he rated you as one of his best coaches, but he said that he was the butt of all your jokes. Is, is, is that true? Well, there's plenty to joke about. <laughs> <laughs> He's lost a bit of weight now, eh, Big Matty? Matty has, so Matty. I always, rem- always remember he got he was obsessed, you know, he was obsessed with things. Yep. There was two stories I remember about him. One, he was trying to lose weight and he'd go over and he'd, he'd get the, you know, the ice cream bowl and he'd turn his back and he had quite a wide back and put all ice cream at the bottom and then fill it up with fruit salad and walk back, <laughs> um, you know, thinking that no one saw he had there's all this ice cream at the bottom. And then he got obsessed with golf. So he, he got – he set up his room as a, as a driving range and he got complaints <laughs> because they were hitting these, these, these balls hit the curtain onto the window and he just – he was just one of those obsessive guys, really good character. Great character. He's doing quite well now, isn't he? He is. He's doing really well, mate. He works for yeah, CBRA no, and Spartan guy. Sports. He's, he's a really good guy. He's lost a lot of weight too. You said that, yeah. Hey, Brendan, um, talk about being obsessed. Mate, you had a massive impact on the first player to score 100 in the IPL. Want to talk us through some of your experiences over in India? Yeah. Well, I'm lucky enough at the moment I'm coaching Kolkata over there as well, which is a tremendous honour to be able to take that job on and, and work for uh, a team who I've had a lot to deal with. I was, I was lucky enough... I mean, we do talk about luck in our sport, and I, I can't answer why this happened, but I was the one who was lucky enough to get to play in the first ever IPL game. I opened the batting in the first ever IPL game. We batted first in their first ever IPL game, and, and I faced the first ball, and then from there I was able to, to make a bit of an impact, and, and that was a life-changing moment for me, and, and I don't know why those happened, but um, it was for a franchise which now I'm lucky enough to be able to coach and, and have had a lot to do with over the years. That tournament is its mind-blowing. It's so hard to explain. I, I try and explain it to my, my friends, my family, and, and everywhere we go. There's probably a bit of a stigma outside of India um, and, the, and the other countries where they look at it and there's probably a bit of jealousy there um, yeah. just about how great that tournament is and, and how big it is to, to cricket and around the world. But the way that they put it on, it's just a phenomenal event and the passion of the Indian public is just some, something you cannot explain uh, unless you've been there. And 
And it's uh, and that's what I love about it. For for eight weeks, you live and you breathe um, the Indian lifestyle and the fanatical support. And and there's high pressure involved in it, obviously, from a performance point of view. But I do think it gets the best out of you. And also, I think what it's done for world cricket is it's broken down a lot of the barriers. And we talked about Binger before and his relationship, my relationship with him. Um, that started in the IPL, really. Yes, we played yeah. against each other before in domestic cricket, uh, in international cricket, sorry. But to have broken down the barriers, actually, to share dressing rooms with these great players from other teams and to see how they went about things, it just it, it certainly accelerates your own growth as a, as a cricketer. And I think the world game is better and richer for the experience of, of being able to bring these the best players in the world together and play in one tournament. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think I think the IPL is. It's really brought, uh, particularly the Australian cricket team, who were quite dominant for a long time there, back to the field a bit because a lot of players from other countries have experienced what the Australian players are like and how they go about things and learn from that. And I think it's, that's really helped, particularly the, the Indian cricket team. And Eddie, you, you're, you're a mad, mad cricket fan yourself, aren't you, mate? Oh, I love it, mate. Unfortunately, I wasn't good enough to, to play at a, at a high enough level. I think I played about eight games at, at Randwick first grade. Uh, Greatest fame to play to, well, I think I got 21 against Penrith, mate, batting against. Remember there was a bloke called Graham Beard, he used to buy yeah. a little slow thing. I do, mate, yeah. I remember I, I was out there for about an hour and a half and got about five and he said, don't worry, mate, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that just about summed up my cricket career. But I loved it, mate. And I, I think the, the 2020 has been fantastic for cricket. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's brought this new skill, this new excitement, new fans. It's also allowed the money to keep Test cricket where it should be. Like Test cricket, to me, still, you know, that, they're the battles you really want to see. You want to see Australia, New Zealand, the three Test series fight each other. Australia, England, you know, those great series. And and the 2020 crickets allowed the game to stay like that. And it's, you know, I just hope we have something in rugby that allows us to do that as well. And Eddie, you, you obviously talk. Um, I know you've you spent some time talking to Justin Langer, but. Do you try and draw from other sports to, I suppose, help and improve your coaching style? Yeah, you're always just trying to learn, mate. Um, you know, and it might be that I think most most good teams do the same things. You know, it's, it's just the way you do it. And by talking to another coach and just listening to Brendan talk, just the way he spoke about the pride in New Zealand, you just find a, a different way to say it sometimes because, you, you know, you're repeating the same message. And you just find a different method or just a, a slightly different way to say it to keep yourself fresh because the players, you know, they get, they, they need the same message, but they need it in different ways. I had a great chat to Justin. And again, you know, what Brendan was saying about New Zealand putting pride back in New Zealand cricket. Well, Justin was able to do that with the Australian side. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And Brendan, what's, so life after retiring as a player, you're now coaching, but I, I sort of went onto Instagram, I see you, you're brewing beers and there's racehorses everywhere. Talk, talk us through some of your passions there. This looks, looks exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got a few vices, I, I call them. <laughs> Racing's certainly one of them. Um, we live in Matamata. We've just got a little 10 acre block here where we breed thoroughbreds. Um, so we've got a few mares out the back and, and the resulting foals and also a couple of spelling horses. But I love that game. It's, wow. a, it's a game which requires a lot of patience and I think that's quite a good thing for me as well because I have a, a tendency to want things now. And so that's quite good that it sort of slows me down and it makes me think the long term and the, the mating plans, et cetera, takes so many years to be able to unfold. So I enjoy that. 
I brew a few beers. I've never shied away from my image of uh, a quintessential Kiwi bloke who likes a beer, a punt, and a game of footy. So I make no apologies for that all the way through my career. And, yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm a little bit busier. Well, we'll be busy once this COVID thing gets finishes. I've actually coached the Caribbean Premier League team, Trinidad, as well. So I've got those two, Trinidad fun. and then obviously Kolkata, when I do a bit of commentary work around around the place too. So there's a little bit going on. And in between times, just try and, uh, try and raise a young family, which we're, uh, which we've seen, well, we're going okay at the moment. I think we're a 16 year old boy who's about to go for his driver's license and he's loving parties at the moment. So oh, good on him. that's a bit of a throw, bit of a throwback to the old days. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and a couple of young girls too. So yeah, we're, um, we've got enough going on, but, uh, I'm a massive rugby fan as well. So it's nice to be able to. Share a uh, share an hour or so with um, with Eddie as well, and I'm sure after this would be nice to be able to catch up, mate, and um, we'll do it in person, stay yeah. in touch. Yeah, and Eddie, you, you've um, you brought out a book called My Life in Rugby. Did it yeah. take you long to come up with that title? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't actually have much to do with the book. I'm a bit embarrassed because it was during the World Cup, and I was lucky. I had a, a writer called Don McRae did a great job on it. Um, so I have to read it one day. Yeah, I, I love Warren. War, war, he's got an autobiography out called Shane Warren, My Autobiography. This is I found quite entertaining. Was that experience cathartic in any way? Uh, well, I just wanted to to show that you know you didn't have to be a a blue blood to make it in rugby. You know, yeah, nice. I, I went to working class school with thirty percent Aboriginal kids. Uh, and, you know, I think there was one kid from our high school that went to university, which was me. Yeah, and I managed to coach around the world. So anyone can do it because I think, you know, rugby has been a class game, particularly in Australia and England, probably not so much in New Zealand. But you don't have to have that privileged background to make it. Um, so it was good to do it, do it from that perspective. Do you think in, in a way that um, you've had success coaching some underdogs, do you think that might have been a big part of it? Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely, you know, you always want to fight and prove yourself, mate. And that, yeah, and that's the enjoyment of sport, isn't it? That's why we play sport because, yeah, you've always got the opportunity to do something special. And if if we knew what was going to happen and we knew what the result was, then it'd be boring, wouldn't it? That's exactly not right. And that's the most fascinating thing because I, I remember, you know, New, New Zealand cricket. I've always been a big admirer of New Zealand cricket because it reminded me a little bit of Australian rugby less players that you've, they've had to be creative and adaptive to play the game. What was mm. that World Cup when they opened with the spinners? Depec- they took, 90, yeah, 92. Yeah, they Tubby really down changed the, the way everyone thought and it took the other teams so long to adapt to what they did. It was a brilliant strategy. It was. And, Brendan, how's, how's your brother going? He's done pretty well, actually. He's um, He runs a construction maintenance company. Um, he came... Out of cricket, yeah, no qualifications, nothing, and he's sort of just a good people person who sees the best in people and, and managed to now he's general manager of that business. I think he's got about 60 odd staff under him, which he runs the whole shooting box. And he can't even swing, swing a hammer, so I can't believe he's <laughs> pulled, the, pulled the wool over everyone's eyes running that company. But he's doing really well, and his kids are going great too. He's not really in touch with the game as such at the moment, yeah. um, but I'm sure he will. For the record, I never beamed your brother, so um, we'll, we'll keep it at that. But um, I, 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 I want to thank you both for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I think it's um, the common thread here is um, what, what you could do as an underdog and, and working hard and, and being creative. You're both great examples and great ambassadors for your sports, and I really do appreciate your time and coming on the show. Thanks, Shane. 
That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Eddie Jones and Brendan McCullum. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And come find us on our social media. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be chatting some more top dogs about music, sport and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. Summer.